Because faith comes through hearing the message of Christ, this sermon has been uploaded for you by Grace Unlimited, a ministry that functions out of Living Hope Church, Pretoria, South Africa. We want Jesus Christ to have first place in everything in our church. And we want to help you know and follow Jesus in all of life and to help others do the same. Find out more or download many more free sermons at graceunlimited.co.za or livinghopechurch.co.za. I missed my cue there a little bit. <laughs> I was waiting for a very powerful introduction and then, yeah, after that powerful story day. So I got disorganized a little bit. But we are here and we are about to study the Word of God together. So I would like to invite you to turn your Bibles with me to Second Timothy. Second Timothy. And then I'm going to be reading from chapter number 1, verse 3, through chapter number 2, verse 7. It is a very long passage, I must warn you. But for what we're going to be discussing today, it is necessary for us to consider this whole passage and we read it together. Second Timothy 1, starting from verse 3. Paul writes, I thank God whom I serve, as did my ancestors, with a clear conscience, as I remember you constantly in my prayers, night and day. As I remember your tears, I long to see you, that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother, Louise, and your mother, Eunice, and now, I am sure, dwells in you as well. For this reason I remind you to fan into flames the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God gave us a spirit not of fear but of power and love and self-control. Therefore do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord nor of me his prisoner but share in suffering for the gospel by the power of God, who saved us and called us to a holy calling, not because of our works, but because of his own purpose and grace, which he gave us in Christ Jesus before the ages began, and which now has been manifested through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light, through the gospel, for which I am appointed the preacher and apostle and teacher, which is why I suffer as I do. But I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he will be able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. Follow the pattern of sound words 
that you have heard from me in the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. By the Holy Spirit who dwells within you, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. You are aware that all who are in Asia turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. May the Lord grant mercy to the house of Onesiphorus, for he often refreshed me and was not ashamed of my chains. But when he arrived in Rome, he searched for me earnestly and he found me. May the Lord grant him to find mercy from the Lord on that day. And you well know all the service he rendered at Ephesus. Now to our passage. You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, wh and what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, we, we are grateful to, to be called your children to have you as our father and we bless you that you are God and we and we are not for you are the all-powerful the all-knowing the ever-loving ever-faithful God as we come this morning Lord even as we have read from your word we want to thank you for this opportunity to be able to hear from your word once again Lord, I ask that you would instruct our hearts, that we may be able to see what you want us to see from this letter. Help our hearts, O oh God, for just to, to find, O oh God, for just that encouragement that comes from these words that Paul writes to, to Timothy. Encourage us, O oh Lord, for just to look to you and to walk in you in everything. Help me, O oh God, Father, just to speak with clarity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First of all, I want to thank God for all of you who are believers here today. It is always exciting to come together as believers to worship God. God is at work in us. And because he's at work and because he's God and he's the Almighty, we are guaranteed this. He will get us to the end. He will get us to the finish line in what he's doing in our lives. I am directing us today to look at this second letter to Timothy. And I only have one goal. And that goal is to encourage you. I hope that you would leave here encouraged and excited to serve the Lord, to stay in the Lord, 
and to walk in the Lord no matter what. We have read from chapter number one up until chapter number two, but our passage for today and our focus will be chapter number two, verse one through verse seven. I want you to be encouraged just as Paul intended for Timothy to be encouraged by the words that he had written in this letter. We find ourselves in this letter which Paul wrote to Timothy who was his child in the faith. This is a very sobering letter and it is hard to read it and not be moved. When you read from verse 1 up until the last chapter in chapter number 4, it's just like this sober mood that is there that you as the reader are bound to just be moved by the words that Paul writes to Timothy. Unlike the other pastoral epistles, this letter addresses Timothy directly. We know there are other letters that Paul wrote to Timothy and to Titus, directing them to do certain things in the church. He had placed them as his representative in Ephesus, where Timothy was, in Crete, where Titus was. There were official duties that they were to take upon when they were there. But when you come to 2 Timothy, the mood is different and the address is directly to the one who is reading it. And that is Timothy. Paul finds himself once again in Rome. He's in chains, as we can see in chapter number 1, verse 17. He is in prison as he writes this letter. This imprisonment here is different. We know that there are many letters that Paul wrote when he was in prison. But this imprisonment here is different from the one that Paul was in or the one that we read of in Acts chapter number 28, verse 16, where Paul was under house arrest. In his first imprisonment, Paul wrote Colossians, he wrote Ephesians, he wrote the Philippians, and he wrote the letter to Philemon. And this imprisonment is different. The mood of it is different. The situation is different to the situation that Paul was in in his first imprisonment. When he was in under house arrest, he, he lived off his own expenses. He could have visitors. He had people come in and out and visit him. And many people did visit Paul. And he interacted with people. And he had many opportunities to be able to share the gospel. And when he was in that first improvement, Paul still had hope that, hey, I'm going to get out. He writes to the Philippians in 2, Philippians 2 verse 24, we see there, he says, I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come to you. In the letter to Philemon 22, he says, prepare a guest room for me, for I hope to be graciously be given back to you. Thinking about that moment when he's going to be released from that prison. But when we get to 2 Timothy, the circumstances have changed. Paul is rearrested, and he was there now under a very difficult time where there was hostility against Christianity. Christians were being persecuted in the empire. This hostility and this persecution started by the Emperor Nero. Around 64 AD in July, there was a large fire that burned a large part of the Roman city. 
and the rumor went out that the fire actually happened because Nero the emperor directed that there be fire that because and he could not shake off this rumor that was going there and it was true after having tried many attempts to just take off this rumor away from him he decided scapegoats my last resort I'm going to blame this on the Christians because anyway these are the people that are not liked by most people and so that is what happened and it stuck on the Christians and those who hated the believers just, just, just got wave of that and just went out and started persecuting the Christians. Many believers lost their life for their faith during this period. And it was during this sad period that Paul was rearrested. It is not clear where exactly Paul was. Probably in Tyrus, as we can see, maybe from what we see there in 2 Timothy 4 verse 13. The different situation in prison is that Paul now does not have people that are coming in and out to see him. Instead, many people have turned away from him. They have deserted him. He's only just there with Luke. And by the time Paul writes this letter, he had gone through his preliminary trial. And from that preliminary trial, Paul could tell things are not going his way. Things were not going to go through his way. During that trial, no one came to stand by Paul at his defense. All turned away from him. That means no one could testify in favor of Paul. Maybe it's because they feared also to be persecuted. And unlike during his first imprisonment, now Paul, as he writes this letter, he does not have any confidence that he will be released. He knows and is sure that the only way he's going to be released from this prison is through death. He knows that he's coming to the point of his dying. And he writes in 2 Timothy 4 verse 6, says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering. The time of my departure has come. I have fought a good fight. I have kept the faith. And he has finished the race. This letter is concerned about suffering. This letter is concerned about the ministry of the word. This letter is concerned about the gospel and the continuing power of the gospel to move forward in the midst of all this. And it is with this background that we find the words of Paul that he writes to Timothy. It is with this background that we come to understand what Paul wants Timothy to do. Paul wrote to encourage Timothy to say, remain faithful. In the midst of all this persecution, I want you to stand, stand still. Instruct people to make sure that the gospel continues to move forward. And he also tells Timothy, Timothy, I actually desire for you to come. Paul was longing for Timothy also to come to him. And so now when we read this letter, you can only just imagine how Timothy must have felt as he's reading this letter from his beloved apostle. And Paul tells him, you need to get here. I'm about to die. I mean, the last time Timothy saw Paul, as we read there in verse number one, in chapter number one, verse four, Timothy actually was all tears when he parted ways from Paul. 
And the next time, he only just gets this letter that tells him of this hectic situation that Paul finds himself in. And it is through, with these words that we're going to get from this letter that I want us to consider what Paul has to say. The title or the topic of our message today is Endurance by Grace. Endurance by Grace. And for the little ones, the word to listen for is grace. We're going to be looking at three points. If we're going to endure, if we're going to get to the end, number one, we need to look at, we need to rely on God. And that is starting from 2 Timothy 2, chapter number one, eh, chapter number two, verse one. Second, we will look at how we need to continue in service. And that is chapter number two, verse two. And how we need to endure hardships. In chapter number two, three, through six. And now, on our first point, reliance on God. Verse 1 there says, You therefore, or you then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ. The you in this verse is forceful or emphatic. Paul, Paul calls Timothy, and he says, Timothy, you need to listen. Paul says, Timothy, give me your ear. And to balance this forceful call, Paul says, my child, he actually speaks to him. He wants him to listen, but he's still dear to Paul. Paul Timothy is still dear to Paul. And Paul wants Timothy to understand that and to receive the words that Paul is going to speak to him in that way. He says, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. In this verse here, Paul says, be strengthened. Paul appeals to Timothy to be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Why is Paul saying this to Timothy? You may ask yourself. Because we get to chapter number 2, verse 1, and it's like, Paul, be strengthened. You're like, why, Paul? Where is this coming from? And for us to be able to understand this, we need to look at that first word that we have there. You, therefore... That therefore there sums up all that Paul has been saying in the previous verses. And that is why I thought it's necessary for us to read from chapter number 1. What did Paul say in chapter number 1? What is it that he comes now to sum up for Timothy? We see there in chapter number 1 verse 6 through 7 that Paul appealed to Timothy to fan into flame the gift of God which was in him. That was the first appeal that Paul had made already to Timothy. The gift of God, of God that Paul referred to, that Timothy had, was the gift of the word of God, the gift of preaching. It is not like Timothy had stopped preaching or he was waning down in his preaching. No. Paul wanted Timothy to continue to stir up the fire in his ministry. Even all the more when there was this persecution going on, Paul says, Timothy, you just want to actually dig in more of your heels. Work hard at this. In verse number 8, Paul appealed to Timothy not to be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord Jesus and about Paul. And he also called Timothy to join in suffering for the gospel. You move to verse 13 of chapter number 1. Another appeal there where Paul caused Timothy to say, Timothy, follow the pattern of sound words. 
that you have heard from me. And then last in verse number 14, he says, God, the deposit that is entrusted to you. God, this gospel message. And then he pauses a little bit after making those appeal. Verse number 14, number 15, he goes down to 18. He says, you know that there were actually people who turned away from me. Phygelus was there and Homogenes was one of them. The Asians have turned away from me. But there was also other people who actually just came to my aid and refreshed me. And one of them is Onesiphorus. Him and his household. And Paul wishes good things to, to him and his, and his household. There were those that were ashamed of Paul, turned away from Paul. There were those that stood with Paul and refreshed Paul and wanted to encourage Paul. And it is with this in mind that when we get to chapter number 2, verse 1, and Paul says, you, Timothy, therefore, he appeals to everything of all these things that he has said to say, you will need to, to just be different. If you're going to look at the, the Asians, you would have to be different. I want you not to be ashamed of the gospel. I want you to suffer for the gospel. Share in suffering. I want you to uphold the truth. I want you not to back down. This is not the time. They might go. They might do this. But you, my child, listen to me. Paul calls for that attention from Timothy to say, now is the time for you to just stand. But how should Timothy do this? That verse 1 tells us there, he must be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. The imperative there is to be strengthened. Be strengthened. Be strengthened, Timothy. Timothy does not do this on himself. It's done for him. It does not come out of Timothy. It comes from outside Timothy. If Timothy is going to stand, he needs to rely not on himself, but the grace that is provided for him in Christ Jesus. Believers are in a warfare. We are engaged in spiritual war. And we must be on guard all the time. And if Timothy will do anything of what Paul has appealed to him, he has to depend on the grace of God and not his strength. And that is the same for all of us. We are saved by grace. Praise God for that. And we stay in the faith by grace. We endure by grace and nothing else. If we are to stand on our own, you are guaranteed, we are guaranteed, we will fall. And Paul says to Timothy, be strengthened, look to the Lord. We cannot, we cannot take our eyes of God. We must rely on God. Timothy must rely on the strength that God gives to his people. 
there is God's enablement for us who are in Christ. And that is the beauty of this walk that we are in. This is the beauty of Christian life. We are saved by God and we are held by God. We are protected by God. And we will overcome, not by ourselves, but only because God has us. As long as we remain there in him. Unlike those who turn away and are ashamed and want to forsake the gospel because there's so much of pleasures. Timothy, be strengthened. And to be strengthened is to say, is to be empowered. Be made strong. And that strength comes from God. And it is only available for those that are in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ Jesus, that is what is possible for you. And Paul reminds him, reminds Timothy, say, look at that. Look at that, Timothy. I like how one man puts it. He says, just as we are saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, but the gift of God, we are also kept saved by the grace of God, who is faithful and righteous to continue to forgive us our sins and to continue to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul himself had experienced the strengthening that comes from God. When you look at chapter number 4, Verse 17, at this first defense, Paul writes, But the Lord stood by me, and what? He strengthened me, so that through the message, so, so that through me the message might be proclaimed, and all Gentiles might, might hear it. Paul was talking about something that he knew. He himself was going through difficult times when everyone had even forsaken him. He stood and look to the Lord. And guess what? God had given him that strength. And God was, and Paul was still able to do, even in the face of death, he was still able to stand and proclaim the gospel to the hearing of the Gentiles. And that is exactly what Paul is calling Timothy to do here. So when we come to this verse number one, we see that there's been many appeals that has been made so if Paul comes to this verse, he actually just now continues in appealing to Timothy. To say now, Timothy, I want you to look at God. Don't move away, but focus on God. And then I just have a question for you here today. What are you depending on? If you are standing, or if you want to stand until the end, Look to God. Remain in the Lord. For apart from Him, we know we cannot do anything. Everything is provided for us by God. The Christian life is all grace from beginning to end. Never turn away from that grace. That is the sphere where we live in. Brother Lee read from Romans 5, chapter number 2. We have that grace. It's the grace and faith that we stand in, in Christ Jesus. And that is for us. So rely on God. That is the first point. Rely on God, not on your own strength. Second, continue in service. If you're going to endure until the end, rely on God, the grace that he provides, the grace that he gives to strengthen you, and continue in service. 
In chapter number 1, verse 13, Paul had called Timothy already to follow the pattern of sound teaching that he had heard from him. That verse there says, And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Now in this verse, Paul instructs Timothy to continue developing the leaders by passing on to them what he had heard from Paul. And by doing this, Timothy will ensure to guard the purity and the integrity of the word. He was not to just pick any man, but only faithful men. Men of character. And it does not mean that Timothy needed to neglect everyone else, to say, hey, don't teach everyone else, just focus only on the faithful men. There was a seriousness in this letter in particular where Paul had a focus in terms of protection of the word, the ministry of the gospel, and the advance of the gospel in the midst of persecution. Yes, he will continue to teach. That's why in chapter number 4, verse 2, he encourages Timothy and charges him, he says, preach the word in season and out of season. It's important that Timothy did that in his ministry. But there was also a specific focus to make sure that the purity of the word and the gospel message is advanced and protected. And so he tells Timothy, in the midst of all this, I want you to focus on continuing this work and your ministry. Continue developing the leaders. They must be men of character who are trustworthy and who are also able to teach others also. Meaning they must be competent to teach, not just any man. As Timothy fans into flame the gift that God had put on him, by the strengthening of the grace that was in Christ Jesus, Paul was just to continue just imparting and imparting. As he relies on God to stand in his own ministry, he must not just stand there and say, okay, I'm fine, but work out, continue to work, continue to work. It's one thing to say, I am standing, I trust in God, yeah, I am. But forget to serve others. Forget to serve the Lord using the gifts that he has given you. Doing other ministries that you are able to do. And Paul here calls Timothy to say, that ministry of the word, even as you fan into flame and you dig in your heels and continue to preach, Timothy, share the words that I have taught, with, taught you. Give it to faithful men. Men that will be able to take it and pass it on and pass it on and pass it on. It says there, the message that Paul wanted Timothy to preach is the message that he had heard from Paul in the presence of many witnesses. I believe that this means that because Paul, Timothy had been a traveling companion of Paul, as we see from Acts, and as we see also in Acts chapter number 20, verse, verse 3, going to verse 5, Timothy must have had many opportunities to hear Paul teach in different settings. So he knew exactly what Paul was all about. He knew what Paul was teaching. And also in chapter number 3, verse 10, Paul writes himself and says, Timothy, I know how you have followed my teaching. And that is what Paul says, Timothy, take Take everything of what is sound, what you have learned from me. I want you to pass it on. I think the significance of the missions of these witnesses here is just to show that the message that Paul preached, 
The message that Paul had passed to Timothy is a message that could be attested by many others. Not just to be Paul's message, but the message that Paul had received from God. The message that the church needed to know. The message that had to be passed on. When we look at the context, it is possible that Paul actually instructs Timothy to give these instructions to faithful men and teaching them because he also wants Timothy to come. As we, 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 we have seen and I already noted, Paul wanted Timothy to leave where he was. He says, come. Come to me in Rome. So it's also possible here that Paul instructs Timothy to say, take this message and trust faithful men even as you're going to leave there and you're going to come. But not only just that. But the message itself also just has to be continued. And Paul's light was about to go down. His sun was setting. He was about to die. And if there's one thing that he would want to see happen, is to say everything that he has taught, this man who was his representative must be able to continue. And I'm saying this because we do not know whether Timothy ended up making it to Rome or he didn't. So whether Timothy got to Rome or Timothy did not get to Rome, Timothy needed to take seriously what he had learned from Paul and he needed to make sure that it continues to be propagated and goes forward by teaching faithful men who will be able to take it and teach others, who will be able to teach others, and who will be able to teach others. And that chain continues, and that chain continues. And today we might be standing here, but who knows, maybe it's exactly that that has started from back then, that has run this message from one man to the next, from one man to the next, from one man to the next, to where we are. And so that is what I also want to call us to look at today. To say, this is not just a message for pastors. This is not just a message. Yes, Timothy was a leader. Timothy has that responsibility. But the passing on of the message of the gospel, it's actually a responsibility of all of us as believers. We have the responsibility of teaching the word of God to others. Regardless of what is happening, regardless of where we find ourselves, some of us, or some of you, have the responsibility to teach children. Some of you have the blessing of being parents. Some lead small groups. Some, you know, are discipling and you're having people that you're working with in your life. You have that responsibility to pass on the truth and sharing the message with those people. It might be difficult at times. It might not be possible at times to be able to meet with people. I mean, we have seen how COVID almost like messed up things. People stopped attending churches. People didn't want to meet. People didn't want to attend gospel communities. But in the midst of all of that is to say, we will trust in the Lord. We know what is important. We know God is for us in all things. And what we will do is we will press on in service. Because we want to see God's name glorified. 
We might suffer through it all, but God is for us and we will press on. And that is what Paul calls for Timothy. And now we get to the third point. So first we see that if we're going to endure to the end, we need to rely on God's grace. If we're going to endure until the end, we must not stop saving. We must continue taking those opportunities, making those opportunities to be able to serve and being in service. The ministry of the word continuing to be in other people's life, imparting the word. And then thirdly, we must endure hardships. We must endure hardships. Second Timothy 2 verse 3 says, Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Paul here invites Timothy to suffer hardships with him, only as a good soldier. Already in chapter number 1 verse 8, Paul already had appealed to Timothy to suffer for the gospel by the power of God. In verse number 11 of chapter number 1, Paul made it clear that he himself was suffering because of the gospel. He says, I'm in prison only because of this gospel. And now, even as we, we come to this verse here, Paul says, Timothy, I want you to join me. If you're going to endure until the end, join me in suffering as a good soldier. Of Christ Jesus. If Timothy will leave for the ministry of the word, hard times will come for him. If Timothy will want to live a faithful life before God, hard times will come for him. Paul says that in chapter number 3, verse number 12, that suffering and persecution is there and will follow for those who want to live godly lives. Paul says, Timothy, I want you to suffer as a good soldier. Share with me in this. If you're going to endure to the end and you want to remain faithful to God, you will not avoid. I'm suffering. It's not because I did anything wrong. It's because I preach this gospel. But there is hostility. And you will face the same. So, Embrace it. I mean, the Lord Jesus Christ himself was crucified. Did he do anything that was wrong? And he tells us if they crucified him, if they came and accused him, and they came and did everything that they did to him, yet he had not done anything wrong, what is going to be left for us? Suffering will come. We will face Difficult times in life. And Paul says to Timothy, that is what I'm experiencing, Timothy. I want you to share with me in this. I want you to participate with me in this. I want you to walk the same path. Meaning, don't frown away from it. Don't try run from suffering because if you're going to run from suffering, you might end up turning away from the gospel. I don't want you to be ashamed of chains that I have. Because if you want to stand faithfully there, you might end up in being in these chains. Timothy, hold on to the truth. 
Because if you don't want to hold on to this truth because you're fearing that you might be persecuted, Timothy will end up very far. Far away from the truth. I want you to share with me in suffering as a good soldier of Christ. Paul calls Timothy and he uses the good soldier. The language of war there, when you think of a soldier, sure, the one thing that comes to mind is war. And that is what exactly we are in. That is what we are in. We are in a spiritual warfare. When Paul was writing to the Ephesians, in Ephesians 6 verse 10, he says, you need to stand strong in the strength and the might that is provided by God. And that is what Timothy is to do, to say, be strengthened, Timothy, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and come along, come along with me, and suffer as a good soldier of Christ. Leave everything to the Lord. Just be faithful. And just do what you need to do. Trust the Lord. He will provide what you need. And whatever that happens, is to God. When I, read, when I read this, I was just reminded of a passage in 2 Samuel 10, verse 12, where Joab and Abishai are fighting these powerful commanders of the army of King David, they have the, the Ammonites and they have the Syrians on the other side. And Joab says to his brother, who is fighting on the other side, he says, Brother men, be of good courage and let us be courageous for our people and for the cities of our God. And may the Lord do what seems good to him. What we will do is we will stand the ground. Whatever that happens is to the Lord. That is the call that Timothy is, Paul is calling Timothy for. To say, come along, suffer with me in this. But the question you may ask is, and I hope you're asking yourself that question. How does it look like to suffer as a good soldier? When you say a soldier has suffered, how does it look like? If Paul had ended his letter in chapter number 3, and in verse number 3, and just ended there, there would be a lot of questions that we would ask, just like we might be asking ourselves right now. And a lot of speculations too. However, Paul goes further, and he actually gives us three metaphors to help explain the idea of suffering as a good soldier of Christ. We must not read these metaphors to mean something other than what Paul intended for Timothy to understand. He gives these metaphors, and if you check there, there's actually no explanation that Paul gives of each one of these metaphors. He just mentions them until the end. And he gets to verse 7, he says, Think of what I say, for the Lord will give you Understanding in everything. So what, was, what must we take from this? What do these metaphors say to us? What, what, how is Timothy supposed to understand this? The first metaphor is a metaphor of a soldier. It says there, no soldier 
gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. The one question when you read something like that, knowing what Paul is trying to do, is to pause and ask, in this metaphor, how does it help us understand how Timothy is to take his share of suffering? So when you read that, it's like this soldier does not get entangled in civilian affairs. So how am I supposed to understand how Timothy is to take his share of suffering? What we get here is that we will see that the soldier suffers. The soldier suffers. And how is he suffering? If you look at it, by not getting involved in civilian affairs. He doesn't get involved in civilian affairs. Meaning he is single-minded. And he's wholly sold to the cause, no matter what the cause. He has no option of saying, if this gets hard, I'm going to just drop it and go somewhere else. He's single-minded. He has one focus. He has no options of choosing to go out when the going gets tough. His mind is fixed on one thing, and that is the cause. He's focused on his task. He's determined to persevere no matter what. He cannot opt out. He cannot choose something that is easier. He stands there and he stands on his course. He doesn't get and he goes to something else. When this goes, he knows I can jump into this. He's there. He's persevering. And his aim is one thing. That is to please his commanding officer. This soldier does not want anything else. He just want to do his job so that he can get praise from the one who enlisted him. The one who gave him the task, the one who gave him the command is the one that he wants to please. Timothy must learn from the attitude of the soldier. Timothy, like all believers, are called by Jesus it is to his cause that we must fix our eyes and persevere no matter what. Stay the cause. We must not live to please men. We must not live to please ourselves. We must not live to, the, to please and you know, be out there with the world. We have a Lord, the Lord, the Lord Jesus Christ, and it is him alone that we live to please. It doesn't matter how tough it gets. We must not look away. We must stay the course. There's grace provided for us. God is able to keep us. We must just continue just trusting and looking to him. God provides grace for us in times of need. Whatever you go through, God is for you through, through it all. And he's with you through it all. He's for your good through it all. Stay the course. Don't run away and look for an easier way. Stay the course. Whatever you have is what God has allotted you. Not because he hates you. If you're going to endure till the end, just focus on him. He knows you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life. Second, we have the, the metaphor of an athlete. In, chapter, in verse number 5, it says an athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. Here Paul draws the metaphor from the well-known athletic contest in Grecian games. And once again you have to ask, how does 
an athlete suffer? What is it that Timothy needs to actually just understand from this? We read there, he is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. So he suffers. This athlete suffers by strictly adhering to the rules of the games during his preparation and the contest. There were very strict rules that the athletes of the day at the time used to actually adhere to. They were required to take a long time to prepare to be able to participate in the contest. And when they got to the contest, they had to perform and work in a certain way for them not to be disqualified. I mean, we know even of our Olympics, for example, today, people that you see in the Olympics, you see Usain Bolt running and it's like there. You might see him running for like nine, I think it's 958, the world record that he has. And you're like, just for 10 seconds, this guy runs for 10 seconds and it's all, and you're like, just 10 seconds. But you go back to the background, you look at how long this guy has been working. How long has this guy has been like disciplining his body to be able to get to this? So he disciplines himself before he runs. And when he's there, he's on the mark. He closes his eyes. He's listening not to make a mistake. Every moment is counted just for the 9.58 seconds. Because if he does something small, something wrong, he loses a second, it's all gone for him. So Paul calls Timothy and says, I want you to look at an athlete. He suffers by maintaining and behaving within these strict rules. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 25, Paul wrote there, he says, Every athlete exercises self-control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable crown. But guess what? What is there for us, if we discipline ourselves, is not a perishable crown. It's not a perishable crown, but it's the crown of righteousness. It's the crown that Paul was looking forward to. When you look at chapter number 4 there, and we read, going down now to verse 8, it says, Henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who loved his appearing. Timothy was already in the race. Timothy is already there in the context. Timothy is right there in the struggle. And he must just stay the course. He must just stay the course. We are running. We are in this race. We are in this spiritual warfare. We must stay the course. We must stay the course. We must exercise self-control. We must discipline our bodies. And only by following what we need to follow, taking God's word, would we get to the end. And we don't just take God's word, we take God's word trusting in the grace that is provided for us in God because of Jesus Christ. We will get to the end. We will endure to the end. The last metaphor is that of a farmer. It says there, 
the hardworking farmer, it is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of his crops. The farmer suffers because he is hardworking. That is his suffering. So a farmer suffers by hardworking. He is diligent and does all the necessary things to plant and to care for his crops. And guess what? Because of all his labor or because of all his sweat, at the end, he gets to enjoy the crops. And Paul says, Timothy, I want you to look at that. What I want us to quickly observe here is that between these three metaphors, there are two things that are common. There's suffering before the prize, and then there's the prize. There's a suffering before the prize, then comes the prize. The soldier pleases his commander. The athlete wins the crown. That's the prize. The farmer then enjoys the crop of his labor. And that is the prize at the end. And there is a prize for us. There is a prize for saving the Lord. There is crown of righteousness that awaits those who will be remain faithful, not by themselves, but by trusting and standing in the grace that is provided in Christ Jesus. But what about Timothy? What about Timothy's suffering and reward? And we look at verse 8 to 10 there. Timothy is to endure suffering for the sake of the elect. Timothy, your suffering comes. This is what you have to do. Endure it. Continue to preach. Stand and preach the word. Proclaim it. Do not forsake it. Do not change it. Whatever that you have heard from me, continue to preach for the sake of the elect that they may obtain salvation. He is to do this constantly remembering the Lord Jesus Christ is the better motivation for anything that we do as Christians. But the Lord Jesus Christ, who has come and has died for us, He just did not die, but He rose again so that we may be justified. And it is in Him that we stand. And it is in Him that we completely, completely immense ourselves. Although Timothy will suffer, he may be imprisoned like Paul. Look at the promise that you get there between verse 8 and 10. The gospel will not be chained. We will need to continue in our service. Trouble times might come. The gospel will continue to move forward and it will not be chained. Because God is at work. Timothy, like all of us, must press on. So like Paul, at the end we can say, we have run the faithful race. We have fought that good fight of faith. And our faith we have kept up until the end. That is what I wish all of us at the end could actually just be able to say. That we have run the faithful race. We were in war, we fought a good war. And we have kept the faith until the end. It was not easy, but... God provided the grace for us to be able to do it. And it's possible for us. Because God who has given us this life is so powerful to keep us. 
And Paul writes to the Philippians, he will sustain us up until the end. Paul gets to verse number 7, he says, think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Like I said, there's three metaphors are given without an explanation. And Paul wanted Timothy to, to think over what Paul had said. Think over it so that you may understand. Trust in the Lord to also give you understanding that you'll be able to understand what I'm saying here for the one purpose so that you can be able to apply it and apply yourself and see how you then conduct yourself. Learn from this. And that is for us. That is for us. I don't know what your desire is, but I hope your desire is to endure until the end. Now in closing, how should you respond to something like this? How are we supposed to take these words? The only thing I would say is take time to think about it. For Paul says to Timothy, just apply your mind, apply your mind. Trust in the Lord. Let him give you understanding. And trust that you'll be able to just give you this ability to be able to live your life the way you ought to live it. Are you actively involved? Are you actively serving? Are you actively doing something while you are living your life as a believer? Yes, it's one thing, trust in the Lord, you stand. But don't stop because you don't want to be idle. If you're idle and your hands, and you, there's nothing that you're doing, you'll find yourself maybe very far. Are you doing something? as you press on towards the end. Think about the ordinary means of grace. The ordinary means of grace is, our, is what God uses to keep us and to grow us. God is so kind and his wisdom is so powerful. It's like powerful, infinite in all wisdom. I don't know how I can stretch that, but that is what it is. It's infinite in wisdom. Meaning, there was no other better way that God thought you needed to be kept than by this means of grace that he has given us. And what are those? Prayer. The word of God. And fellowship. What is your relationship with this? That is what God has given us. It's a beautiful thing to come on a Sunday like this and that is what fellowship is all about. We're going to fellowship after the service. We're going to go to the park and make sure we hang out and encourage one another. That is what God has given us. God has given us your word, the word. God has given us prayer to be able to communicate with him. Let's use that. And as we do that, let's remain in him and trust him. Trusting in the grace that is provided for us in Jesus Christ. And God will keep us until the end because he is able and we need not look away from him. Let us pray. Our God and our Father, Lord, you know us very well. You know how we are prone to wander away from you. You know every one of our weaknesses.
And Lord, we, like Paul would say, we will not boast, oh God, Father, just in our strength at all. But we'll boast, oh Lord God, in our weaknesses because it is only in our weakness that your power is made perfect, oh Lord God, Father, just in us. I thank you for this word and I pray, Lord, thanking you that there is hope for us who are saved. That even as we walk in this life, oh Lord, though times may be tough, Though troubles may come, Lord, we know you will keep us until the end. For you are the all-powerful God, and you are able to do it. And you have promised that you will get us until the end, oh God. I pray, God, Father, that we may find courage in, in these words. And Lord, Father, that we may just be revived again, oh God, Father, just to live for you with excitement knowing, oh God, and remembering that you are for us in all things. God, we thank you that you cared this much for us, that you have given us literally everything, everything we need. We did not deserve this, but it was out of your kindness. And for that, Lord, we just want to bless your name. Be exalted in our lives, be exalted in our attitudes, and Lord, help us to continue to walk and to depend on you. And may you receive glory through it all, O God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.